you know, the longer we are around, our bodies may stay okay, but then our minds don't stay as sharp. So we stay in long-term care facilities or assisted living facilities, and those can, can really wipe out a portfolio really quick. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Today on Perfect Game Retirement, we're talking about risk. It's a topic and you know it's something we always discuss on the show, but we always kind of say, hey, do you know how much risk you're taking on? Don't take on risk. You know, some pretty obvious statements a lot of times, and it's important. But today we're gonna dive into it a little bit deeper and kind of really talk about the different types of risk that we're referring to, you know, and there's a number of different types when you come to, you know, re- to work with Ryan and you're doing a comprehensive retirement plan. There's a lot of different aspects of that plan and you need to be thinking about in terms of how much risk you're willing to take on. So we're going to break it down for you today on the podcast. I am Ben George. He is Ryan Ledden, the president and financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management. And Ryan, good to talk to you again. I know you uh, recently got back from a trip to Disney. How was that? It was great. Uh, and, and normally... Even though it's the greatest place on earth, a lot of times it's not because of people <laughs> and lots of them. <laughs> I like people, but when you get them in, in packed crowds like that, it's it's can be not fun sometimes. But yes, I took my uh, took my daughter down there for her 10th birthday. That's kind of a tradition. We wanted to start with our kids when they turn 10 and 16 to take them where they want to go. And so I asked Lindy a few months ago you know, where she wanted to go. And it took all three seconds for her to say she wanted to go to Disney World. So it was just me and her, uh, my son and my wife stayed home. They had their, you know, mommy son time and, and she and I had our time together. So we went down there for five days and the first couple of days were great because uh, we did um, get down there on a Thursday. We flew down there on a Thursday and then started, you know, the parks on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So Friday, Saturday, it was great because it wasn't, uh, hadn't really hit stride yet because Thanksgiving week had not started yet. So it was, I told my, my daughter I, on Friday at the Magic Kingdom, I said, do not get used to this. I mean, we were going on like rides, like it was just, I mean, it was crazy. Like the Seven Dwarf Mine Train, that that ride gets, you know, yeah. hour and a half, two hours wait sometimes. I mean, we were just funneling on that thing. We get done, get back in line, maybe wait five, 10 minutes and then just keep going. And I'm like, sweetheart, this is like, <laughs> you're so spoiled here. Don't get used to it. Well, you know, reality hit the following Monday when the crowd started getting there. We went to Magic Kingdom again and it was it was pretty much um, same old story. Now the crowds were still down, but Disney did a great job. Um, you know, masks were required. So people were wearing masks. The six foot, they had, I mean, tape everywhere on the ground. It was, they did a fabulous job of, of trying to keep people as spaced out as possible. Of course, you know, it didn't seem, it's, it wasn't quite the same because you didn't see the characters as much because they didn't want to draw crowds. Right. They didn't, um, they did like pop-up um, parades, if you will. I think they call them something different, but it's literally like one or two floats. They go a certain way and then boom, they're like, they vanish. Like they're good at doing there. They're just so good at like, where do they just come from? And where do they just go? I have no idea what just happened to them. But so they would do that. But again, it was trying to prevent congregation of of crowds. And so, but they made some modifications here and there. Um, But for the most part, they did a, they did a great job. And I know, I think I just saw an article recently. They've, some of the, the characters, they've furloughed them again because they're trying to, 
to, to prevent, again, the, the crowding of people. So they're having to make constant adjustments, but they did a great job for the most part. We had a, we had a great time and hopefully she'll remember that the rest of her life. Oh, I'm sure she will. That's a lot of fun. That's a pretty cool trip. Uh, well, glad you had a good time and, and uh, look forward to hearing more about Lindy and Lucas on the shows move forward. But today we're going to talk about uh, types of risk. We're getting to that in just a second. I want to throw a little getting to know you question your way before we get started. As we always do, we like to throw Right, a little getting to know to f- figure out what's going on outside of the office, learn a little bit more about about him, the family, and, and his, uh, himself. So today, question for you is, what's the last book you read, or the last book that uh, you're currently, or the book that you're currently reading? So I'll give you the boring answer first because this is I, I'm I'm studying for my CFP exam uh, right now, and I'm doing <laughs> my coursework. So realistically, I'm reading. Course 513 Investment Planning, the the College of Financial Planning book of about 350 pages of nothing but investment planning. So that will put the audience to sleep really quick. So that's the truthful answer. Um, the 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 actual book that I've recently read, and this is a reread book that I do all the time. It's a Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Um, it is it's one of the best books I've ever read. Um, it's it's one that I keep going back to. I've made notes in it. I don't know how many times highlighted marks in there. It is a great refresher when you start kind of not necessarily deviating from what your goals are, but just kind of forgetting the small things that you do every single day, how it does have a compound effect, hence the name of the book. And obviously it kind of spoke to me at first. I saw compound effect, obviously in my line of work, compound interest. You're like, okay, there's some parallels there. And there was, obviously he doesn't talk about compound interest. I think he made a reference to it one time in the book, but the compound effect is just doing small, simple things every single day over a long period of time. And that's how you separate yourself, whether it's in your family life, if it's in your fitness life, work life, financial life. Anyway, so it's, it is an awesome book. I mean, you're ready to like run through a wall after you read that thing, or at least I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It is, it's awesome and highly recommend it. Very cool. Put that on the list to read if you're looking for a, a book recommendation. There you go. All right. If you haven't joined us before, before we get into our discussion on risk, uh, make sure you visit our website after you listen to the show. Blackoakam.com is the website. You'll find Ryan's uh, Retirement Rescue Toolkit right on the front page. Go ahead and request that. It'll get it out to you uh, free of charge. But also you can schedule a Retirement Coach 360 session online as well. Uh, that's very simple and easy to do. But if you want to call them, you can do so as well. 470-508-0508. So we talk risk all the time. And, you know, you know one of the biggest things we, we really like to point out is, you know, as you move along in, in your life and get close to retirement, the, the amount of risk you want to take on has to change. And are you aware of how much risk you have in your portfolio? All these things are common discussions you have with the financial advisor. Well, today we want to talk about the different types of risk and really kind of get into them a little bit more so you kind of understand exactly what we're talking about when we talk risk. So we have five different types of risk, Ryan, I want to run through with you today and have you explain them a little bit more to us. And let's start with one that I think the first thing we think about when we think risk is how much risk am I going to take on in the stock market, right? Market risk. Yeah, that's that's one that kind of comes to people's mind first and foremost, and, and that changes per the person. It changes. I mean, most people do say it's kind of an age-based thing. Could be, just depends on people's situation. So, but market risk uh, obviously is a real thing. But I think where, and we mentioned this before in previous episodes, but I think where people don't know is how much risk they are exposing themselves to. 
So you need to know that. So there is a there's a there's a layer of uncertainty to the market, but there's also a math component to the market. So obviously there are black swan events that happen. COVID, okay? There's a great example of that happening almost overnight and it derailed the market for in the grand scheme of things a short period of time. Um, it's still lingering. It's annoying, but it's uh, it's a real thing. But there is a math component. So I want to encourage people out there. You need to know exactly how much risk you are taking on, and don't say, "Oh, I got a sixty forty portfolio." Okay, well, <laughs> well, great. Well, what does that mean? What how much risk are you actually taking on? So there is a standard deviation number, which again, I'm going to use some nerdy terms here when it comes to this. And so I know risk isn't an exciting topic, but it's a real thing that we need to guard against. And so I'm not opposed to taking market risk, but how much are we going to take? And again, it does depend on what your goals are, how young you are, um, what your risk aversion or lack thereof is. And so you could be the same age like me and my spouse are completely different from a risk standpoint. She's more conservative than I am. So Knowing and knowing the exact number of what your market risk is, and then knowing what that standard deviation number is, because and here's where I'm getting to the the point of this is when you get to retirement and you're decumulating your assets, you are taking money out. Consistent rate of returns is so much more important than average rate of return. So I could have a consistent rate of return that may be less, let's say six percent than someone's average rate of return of eight or nine percent. But that average that eight or nine percent portfolio has huge that's that standard deviation number, that's a fancy word for risk. That number could be huge, which means you're taking huge swings up or down. And if you're consistently taking money out when there's that that huge downturn happens, that's what really chops your legs out from underneath you from a retirement standpoint. It's having that consistent rate of returns with less volatility. I'll take a lower average rate of return if they're more consistent in retirement. Obviously, our pre-retirees and our younger clients, they want an average rate of return. They benefit from the risk and the volatility. Okay, We saw that this year. I mean, some of the portfolios I was looking at of people that kind of move money over to us during the pandemic or put more money in and just looking at the rates of return on some of them are just like, Oh my God, that like, (laughs) it's just kind of stupid in a good way uh, because they benefited from that. Now someone who's in retirement and they can't add to that, that's, that's nerve wracking. All right. That's what makes you stay up at night. That, that sleep number, (laughs) you just can't go to sleep because, Oh my gosh, how much am I losing? How long is it going to take for me to recover? So you got to pinpoint and get that exact market risk number of how much you're comfortable with and how much will allow you to create an income off your portfolio and not deplete your assets. Because if you have a market downturn in your first couple of years of retirement, that's that's painful and it could make you run out of money. So that's the first one and probably the one that we all talk about quite a bit and think about when we're thinking about risk and, and how to avoid that. So let's go to let's go to a few more that maybe we don't think about as much. And let's start with interest rate risk. And I think most people just assume, hey, if I'm not borrowing money very often, then I'm not going to be affected by interest rates going up at all. But I think what people don't understand is that impact of the rates rising, what they have on the bonds that might be in their portfolio. Yeah. And so again, to get a little nerdy and educational here. So yeah, interest rate risk is a real thing because we just talked about market risk. So if people want to get more quote unquote conservative with their money and not have as much market exposure, 
they want to park their their money in safer investments. Well, I mean the safe the safest investment out there is just sitting in cash or treasury bonds or bills or notes or whatever they may be that are backed by the federal government. Well, I don't know if you've seen the the ten year treasury lately. It's not paying a whole lot because um, interest rates are so low, they can't pay out a decent yield on on some of these government issued uh, notes and, and bonds. So there is a real issue with interest rates. So yes, for borrowers right now, buying a home has never looked so good because interest rates are so low. I mean, we just refied ours after being in a house for one year and we chopped it in half. It, we got it at 2.375 and I don't... Nice. That'd be crazy if if we ever find anything lower than that. But yeah, so our deposits, our safe money, we can't get much of a return on that because they're not charging us a whole lot on, on interest payments. But going back to your point, so bonds and interest rates have an inverse relationship. So if you could close your eyes for a second and, and imagine a seesaw. Okay, so if a seesaw is completely level, um, and, and nobody's on either side. Well, imagine interest rates are on one side. Okay. If you start seeing interest rates tick up on a seesaw, if one side goes up, other side goes down. So bond prices will go down. So for a long time, we've had very, very low interest rates for decades. And so bonds have done pretty well. And so you could park money in bonds and get a pretty good yield, a pretty good rate of return on these things. And you know, not just take the interest off the bonds. Well, it's hard to do that anymore. And so as interest rates start to go up, they will, they have to, eventually they have to. Now, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I heard an economist the other day say that the, you know, the Fed funds rates are probably going to stay at zero to 0.25 for a couple of years. Um, and the Fed funds rate is a, a borrowing rate between banks. And so it doesn't directly affect us, but it kind of indirectly affects us uh, from a borrowing standpoint. But again, I don't want to nerd out too much on this, but just remember that seesaw as interest rates do start going up, bond prices will continue to tick down. And so there's an inverse relationship. So just parking our money in bonds is not going to get us to, to where we want to be in retirement and the income that we need and want. Gotcha. All right. Our third one on the list, and this really probably has more of an impact for people in retirement, but inflation risk, you know, you don't, you might not think about this one as much, but if you're relying heavily on social security, maybe, or a pension for your retirement income, inflation can be a problem, right? Because your income streams aren't going to keep up with the buying power that they're going to need. So explain inflation risk and maybe how you can combat that. Yeah, inflation risk is definitely that's that's one of the silent killers of of people's income because it just kind of creeps in. You know, it's a a, a slow uh, leak can sink a big ship, and it's kind of the same thing where inflation is kind of that slow leak, where from year to year you're just like, oh, okay, you just don't really notice it. But when we do income plans with people, and if we show like thirty years from now, they look and go, oh my gosh, we're not going to need that much money at that time. Well, you're thinking in today's dollars. Like you can't think that way. Think about what prices were 30 years ago versus what they are now. I mean, I think a great analogy is car prices. I mean, think how much. Even even my dad was joking about this. He's got a he's got a nice uh, GMC uh, Sierra truck, and he was saying this is this the cost of this thing is almost the cost of his house that he bought in 1980 when we moved from South Georgia 
to Lilburn, Georgia, it's almost the same same price. Um, and he's thinking, this is a car. And, and I almost spent the same thing on a house. So anyway, so inflation is a real thing. So you have to build that into an income plan. And stereotypically, we use about 3%. Uh, could that be exceedingly higher in the near future? Yeah. Go online and check out the the uh, U.S. debt clock and, and see how large, how many trillions Whew. of dollars we're at now. So That's tough. there's a day of reckoning and and it's inflation is going to get out of control. And so how the federal government combats that, they'll start raising interest rates to hopefully slow that down. That's kind of one way that they can combat that. But again, like we just said, as interest rates creep up, bond prices go down. So there's there's cause and effect all over the place, but you have to factor in inflation or yeah, your standard of living will will decrease immensely. It'll be slow, but it'll be immensely over time. Yeah, if you've never visited usdebtclock.org, um, would highly recommend it. Well, if you want to kind of get a, a feel, I, would, I actually <laughs> right. wouldn't recommend it, but if you want to truly see what, what it looks like right now in 27 trillion dollars in US national debt and just with me during the sentence that I've actually said it, we've gone up by another $250,000 in debt. So every every few seconds it goes up uh, just a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it, it's rough to watch but it, it points out to how important it is to plan for that inflation and, uh, and and guard against it. All right, number 4, taxes. We always talk taxes. I'm curious about this one because I don't I don't really think about the tax rate risk necessarily. I know we try to plan for taxes a little bit, but explain tax rate risk and how it could affect your retirement. Yeah, so obviously we, you know, we're passionate about that. We talked about this several times on the on the show, and then and you know, Ben's mentioned the the retirement rescue kit on here before on our website, and it's just educational type material that that goes into um, a lot of depth on what our thoughts are on tax rate risk. And we try to project that out. So we, we do plans for people that show, hey, here's where we're at right now. Uh, we like to do a little history lesson because history shows us tax rates have been a whole heck of a lot higher than they are now. They're at historical lows, and I don't think they'll stay at historical lows. And so I even talked to a CPA uh, yesterday, and he echoed the exact same thing. He says, yeah, I mean, I prepare taxes, but we try to do tax planning to look at, hey, I get it where we're at now, but if we get a 20% increase or a 30% increase or even more, what does that do? And so people who save in 401ks and IRAs that are pre-tax, you're at the mercy of what the tax code is down the road. So I kind of kid with people and say, your first beneficiary is the IRS. I know you may have your spouse as 100% beneficiary, but it's the IRS. And so they're going to get their cut. And if you keep deferring it, they're eventually going to get their cut because you have to take required minimum distributions. Now, the federal government was so nice to delay those another year and a half. So now it's 72 that you have to start taking money out because you haven't paid any tax on that pre-tax money. And so you have to pay up. But over time, if we have been saving in tax free or tax efficient vehicles like a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, you're not at the mercy of what the tax code is. And so if you have a million dollars in a pre-tax 401k or a million dollars in a Roth 401k, you got a whole lot more money in that Roth 401k than you do on the other side, even though it's the exact same value, but you have to pay tax on the other. So if taxes go up, which they could, and I think they will, it's just a matter of will it be next year or will it be in 2026 when they're set to go back to 2017 levels? That's a higher tax rate. 
Um, but could it be more than that? And it, and it absolutely could. I mean, it's as early as the early 80s of uh, 70% was the highest tax rate. And right now, 37 is the highest. So it could easily jump back up there. And I get it. Those are the highest um, tax brackets. But still, there's going to be a lot of people that we work with that are going to be at the mercy of that. And so if that increases, whether it's the federal tax rate or capital gains rate. I mean, there's so many different things that they can change that you have no control over depending on how you save your money now. But you do have planning opportunities to correct that. Like I said before in previous shows, you may actually increase your tax burden for the current year, but it's going to be, you're going to be better off down the road by tax planning for the future. Yep. That's why we talk about it quite a bit and why Ryan stresses it with his clients at Black Oak Asset Management. All right. One more that I want to get to in terms of risk. Uh, and I think one that probably gets overlooked by many, many people, but one I think that's becoming more and more uh, important every single year, and that's longevity risk. Yes, no, no doubt. I mean, obviously for for years, our actuary tables, which means our average life expectancy have been increasing for a long time. They actually kind of regressed a little bit. They actually came back down a little bit. But Longevity risk is a is a real thing. And so if you look at that's why social security planning is so important because don't just claim social security at 62 because you want to get yours and you think the the program is going to be uh, defunded. That's that's not going to be the case because that's something that's going to stay with you for forever. And so yes, social security has cost of living adjustments in there. They're not guaranteed. And normally the cost of living adjustment is eaten up by increased Medicare premiums. So there's, you, you really don't see a net benefit a lot of times. But so Social Security planning is very, very important uh, because health has a big component to your claiming Social Security, but that's going to hang with you for the rest of your life and your spouse's life. So don't just uh, claim it to claim it. it. There needs to be a thought process that goes into that. Most people don't have pensions anymore. If you do, the great news is that's going to continue on. Uh, you're going to get that checked the rest of your life as well. But it's, your, it's those of us who have to rely on maybe a Social Security benefit or two, but then the assets that we save. Uh, that's more and more the issue with people. Do they have enough in retirement to sustain 20, 30, even longer years uh, in retirement? So before people would retire and then die a few years later. Well, now people sometimes are in retirement longer than they are in their working lives. So that's a big thing to plan around. And obviously, when you're talking about longevity risk, you got to throw in healthcare. Um, that's a huge what if, because you know the longer we are around, our bodies may stay okay, but then our minds don't stay as sharp. So we stay in long-term care facilities or assisted living facilities, and those can can really wipe out a portfolio really quick. So I don't mean this to sound like doomsday and all that, but it needs to be discussed and talked about and, and kind of contingency plans, if you will, on these things happening. There's no 100% foolproof plan out there, but you need to factor those in and not talking about it is not a solution. It needs to be addressed. And okay, how do we combat this, if you will, if this is to to happen to us? And you can schedule a time to meet with Ryan too, if you want to start going through these things. If you haven't addressed these different types of risks, you need to. And uh, it's important for your retirement. And you can schedule that Retirement Coach 360 session online right now at blackoakam.com. Any other risks that we... Uh Need to mention, Ryan, or does this do a pretty good job covering us? Those those are pretty comprehensive right there. Uh, I mean, those are the main ones that we focus on when we do sit down with our clients or prospective clients is 
those are the the everyone wants to talk all the upside and what the great things this thing can do but there's always pros and cons to to everything and those need to be really looked at and examined and okay because there's no silver bullet solution to all those but hey how are we going to how are we going to go and attack this risk depending on what it is but no that's a that's a pretty comprehensive list right there very good then we'll close out that discussion and head to the mailbag where we have a question today from Ellen in Franklin, Tennessee, thanks for listening, Ellen. She says, we have the opportunity to refinance our house at a lower interest rate, but the problem is that it would be a 15-year mortgage and we only have five years left to pay right now. We're 60 years old and the idea of still having a house payment until we're 75 seems like a bad idea. What do you think? I agree with you, Ellen. Um, I, don't, I don't think I need to elaborate a, a ton on that. Obviously, being being a, a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro advisor, we're, we don't uh, we don't love debt, but obviously Dave doesn't doesn't hate mortgage debt. But when you look at, don't just do it because of an interest rate. I know I just mentioned myself um, as an example, but it was a very different situation. I'm 43 years old. We just built a house and we did do a 30 year mortgage. Well, one year later, the rates were cut in half compared to where we were and our mortgage payment did go up, but it was well worth what we we're going to pay in interest by refinancing and getting into a lower rate. But Ellen, you're in a, a different stage of life. Um, I can't wait till I only have five years left to pay on mine, but just getting a lower interest rate because Ellen, you probably know this already, but uh, mortgages all the interest is front end loaded. Um, now you're paying some still interest, but it is so front end loaded on those mortgage payments that because you're you're so close to the end, you're paying so much principal right now. There's no reason for you at your stage to reset that, even though you may have a lower interest rate. Um, sometimes the the nerdy math isn't always the answer, but you're hardly paying any interest right now. Anyways, you're paying a lot less. And if you reset that into a 15 year, despite it being a lower interest rate, you're going to be paying more interest. So no need to do it. Just keep plowing ahead and, and shoot. If you make that a priority, I guarantee you, you'll pay that off before you turn 65 anyway. And then you'll have that the probably the largest overhead expense you have every single month is going to be gone by the wayside. So that's a whole lot easier to plan around when you have no mortgage payment uh, in retirement. So that's that's awesome. Congrats, Ellen. But don't refi. Don't pay closing costs for a new mortgage just because it's a lower rate. You're, you see the light in the, the tunnel and just be done with it soon. Great question, Ellen. I'm sure a lot of people are having similar thoughts and discussions too. So thanks for sending in to us here on the show. If you ever have any questions you want to send in to Ryan in Perfect Game Retirement, you can do so by logging on to blackoakam.com. You can contact us there. Very simple. There's a contact link hit that, send us a message. But if you want to call Ryan and get into a little deeper discussion on planning, you can do so by calling him 470-508-0508. Ryan, enjoy this one. Uh, no risk is something that's uh, very important when it comes to planning and, and something that we don't really understand completely. But I think today's episode kind of helps break it down a little bit further for us. Yeah, it's it's a topic that people don't like to discuss, but as a as an advisor, you you have to bring those things up. And like I said, you can't just put your head in the sand and ignore it. It's got to be discussed and hopefully implemented to uh, again to combat those those risks that are a real thing. Absolutely. Well, you can find us on any podcasting app. Please hit subscribe if you would. A couple episodes, new episodes every single month, and we look forward to talking to you on the next one. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon on Perfect Game Retirement. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management. 
serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.